And if you were a part of that process, then you had a much stronger emotional tie to it. It also means that you were closer to the people getting married, meaning that they were your best friends, your family, yourself, and so you automatically were more attached. So outside of those examples, think about your absolute favorite food. What is the one thing, if someone came to you and said, you can only eat this one thing for the rest of your life and you can have nothing else, what would it be? Okay, what is your absolute favorite food? For me, it's tacos. I know, weird. Uh, but it is. I could literally eat tacos every single day and be completely happy and not feel deprived and not feel sad <laughs> and not feel like I was missing out on anything. Like tacos are probably one of my absolute favorite things in the world. So for me, I, I would choose tacos. So it might be di something different for you. It could be chocolate. It could be a hamburger. It could be curry. It could be so many different things that is absolutely your favorite. So I want you to think for a minute, just like our previous question, think about your absolute favorite food, the one thing that you could eat every single day. And get that in your mind. Now that you're thinking about that food, and you probably want to eat it because now I made you think about it, now imagine that I told you you can never eat that again. I know, right? I just, <laughs> I just made you think about your absolute favorite food and you thought about what that was, so you had to sit and think for a second, what is my favorite food? What would I eat for the rest of my life if it was the only thing I could eat? But also, that once you had it in your head, you were thinking, oh, that actually sounds really good. I should have that right now. I should eat that. I should go get that. I should plan to have that for dinner. I should, <laughs> right? So you automatically start thinking like, oh, that does sound really good. How can I eat that right now? But now I just told you, you can never have it again. Okay, that one food, you can never have it again. It's not available. You can't get it. Maybe you're deathly allergic all of a sudden, and there's just no way you can ever eat it again. Now, how do you feel? How would that make you feel? Right? So you had already, just in that little exercise, you had such different emotions, right? So at first you were kind of confused thinking about, okay, maybe some of you knew right away. Like I said, what's your favorite food you could eat every day? And you're like, duh, got it. Know exactly what it is. Some of you maybe had to think about it for a few minutes. Like, what would that be? And that's okay. But then once you had it and you were thinking, yeah, that's it. You started thinking about how much you like that food, right? So it's there. It's in your mind. You're thinking, yeah, yeah, I could eat that every day. I love that food. And you started feeling happy. Whether you realized it or not, that food gave you comfort and started making you feel happy because it's your favorite food and you love it. You already love it. But then I told you, you can't ever eat it again. <laughs> so what would that, that either makes you really sad, makes you really angry, or makes you say, sure, whatever lady, I'm eating it anyway, right? <laughs> so you had a couple of different reactions depending on again depending on your personality and and your emotional connection to that particular food so you know think about how you would feel think about how you would feel if if you really could not have that food again now you likely had one of three responses and these responses are the most common this is out of years of research these are the three most common responses that i saw okay first your immediate response may be, uh, no way, lady. Nope. 
I don't care what you have to say. I'm not giving that food up. Even if it means I'm going to, you know, get deathly sick from eating it, not giving it up. Nope, not doing it. Okay. Your other thought may be, okay, sure. Yeah, I can do that. I could probably do that. Okay. But if I can't have that, can I have this? So maybe your thought was, sure, okay, I can do that, but what's my substitution? And that's a really common one. And that's what we see a lot with people who are suddenly gluten-free, are suddenly diagnosed with celiac or dairy, or, you know, when you're diagnosed with an autoimmune condition, a lot of times they tell you, cut out gluten, cut out dairy, cut out soy, these things, right? And maybe some of these things are your absolute favorite things. And so a lot of times what we see is people are willing because they really want to feel better and they really want to be healthy and they really want to make a difference and they are in agreement. Sure, I'll do that, but can I have this instead of that? Can I trade this for that? Can I have the boxed gluten-free noodles instead of making my own from scratch that had gluten in them? Can I eat gluten-free cookies? Can I have something that's dairy-free but also still tastes like dairy, right? So you're looking for a substitution because you don't want to get rid of that food. It's not that it's not that you don't want to change. It's not that you don't want to be healthy. It's not that you don't want to really try because honestly, everyone really wants to be healthy and feel better. Everyone just has a different journey to that and everyone's journey looks different and that's okay. But looking for a substitution. So the only problem with looking for a substitution is you are so emotionally connected to that food that you're willing to give it up, but only if you have something to take its place, right? So if we go back to the analogy of comfort food becoming your best friend, that's okay, I have to give up my best friend. That's That's been my best friend since I was a child. And you want me to to give up my best friend and never speak to them, never see them, like just give up my best friend. So you're willing to do that, but also you're saying, give me a new best friend. Like I'll give you that best friend, but I need a new one. I need a replacement best friend. <laughs> and so it's it's called substituting, okay? And so that group I usually call the substitutioners <laughs> because it's it's really... I have so many people, it's probably one of my most common out of the three categories, is people seek a substitution. And that's okay. It's completely common. It's completely normal. And you can work through it and you can get past it just like the other two. Okay. So the third group or the third response may be, yeah, okay, no problem. That's sure. I can do this. And I call the, this group as like our go-getter group, right? So these people are like, I want to change my life. I want to have a new lifestyle. I don't care about this food. I just want to get better. If you're saying I can't have it, let's do this. Let's get rid of it. I can do it. Okay, awesome. Sounds awesome, right? Like, man, these people have it together. These people are like willing to do whatever it takes to change their life, to change their lifestyle, to get healthy. And these people... are typically right off the bat start making the other two feel bad like why are they why are they willing to give up this food and I'm not why what's wrong with me why am I not like them why are they just so eager to try whatever but what I can tell you is 
this third group of people who typically are like, sure, whatever, yeah, let's do it, are also the first to break their new lifestyle rule. So if I say, hey, you can never have tacos again. I'm really sorry. I know it's your favorite food, but if you want to get healthy and feel better, you can't have tacos again. And they're like, okay, let's do this. Sure, I'll never eat tacos again. No problem. Whatever you say, let's do it. Whatever I have to do. This group is also the most social out of the three. And if you go and you read my book and you, you read through each of these personalities, I actually break down different personality traits, different social gatherings, different things, because it really boils down to a lot of different personality traits. And this third category tends to be the absolute most social. So they're going out partying, they're going to events, they're constantly go, 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 they want to be with other people all the time, but that's also their detriment, okay? So they're excited, sure, let's, let's get rid of this food, whatever, whatever I have to do. But as soon as they are at a social event where their friends start questioning their lifestyle change, they're also the fastest to go back. Okay. So it doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean you're, it's bad. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. It just means that your journey is going to look different. Your journey is going to be a little bit harder. Your journey is going to include not only replacing your best friend of food, but also telling your human best friends, look. I just had to replace my nutritional best friend. It was really hard for me. So I need for you to be my human best friend and help me through this instead of putting me down. So it's hard. It's hard. And everybody's journey is different and everybody's personality is different and everybody's emotional connection to food while we all have it is different. And so getting through it is different. And I am not here to tell you that it's easy, even though the steps that I have mapped out for everyone to use to get through it seem so simple. They seem like such simple steps that you'll think there's no way that that will work. But sometimes breaking things down to the most simplest form is the only way that we can beat it. And so one of those ways is just journaling. Journaling. And I know you might be thinking, I have no time for that. Who has time for that? I'm too busy for that. But you know what? That is breaking it down to the most simplest form of what is going on with you, your body, your emotions. And it's really you having a conversation with you. Okay? Not you having a conversation with your nutritional best friend. Not you having a conversation with your human best friend. This is you having a conversation with you about how you feel, about how that food is connected to you, about why is that food connected to you. Food, no matter how delicious it is, no matter how far the tradition goes back, no matter if you have been eating that exact food every Sunday for your entire life and you're 58, that connection to that food is emotional, okay? And the only way to break that is to find out why. Why do I eat that food every Sunday my entire life? If I were to not eat that food every Sunday, how would I feel about it? What would it actually do to me? Would I starve to death? 
Would I be breaking some kind of a rule? Would I have nutritional def deficiencies? Would I be emotionally distraught? How would I feel if I couldn't have that? And why? And my answer to you guys is you would feel some kind of a void, whether that's stress, whether it's sadness, whether it's like you feel like your best friend is gone, um, whether it's just frustration, whether it's anger. There's so many different emotions tied to food. And regardless of what that emotion is, it comes from a different place. Those emotions have absolutely nothing to do with your food. Nothing. Remember how I said in the beginning, we're, we're turning food into like our best friend, like it's a person? It's not. Food is food. Food is there to nourish our bodies. Food is there to give us nutrients. Food is there to keep us alive, to feed our cells, like all the way down to the cellular level of our bodies. That's what food is for. Food is not to fix our emotions. Food is, it's not, food can't help what is emotionally bothering you. It just can't. It's not built that way. And so if you find out what that is and you can release it, then not only can you release the hold that that food has on you, you can recognize that the food choices and the habits that you have are being controlled by your emotions, not actually what you and your body nutritionally need. And it's hard. It's hard because most of us in our lives have never been asked or never been told to stop and think about what food means to us. And it's a weird concept, right? And it's very difficult for someone to say, I eat a candy bar every day because I don't have a lot of friends and that candy bar is my best friend. And I've had someone say that to me. And it was a very, it was hard for them. It was very um, emotional for them. It took, a, it took a length of time to get to that point. It wasn't one conversation. It wasn't like I asked a couple of questions and then the epiphany just came. It took time. It took journaling. It took going through all of the steps, all three steps of breaking the cycle of emotional eating for her to get to that point to call me and say, I'm lonely. I am using food, this particular food specifically, as a friend. And so we were able to work through that. We were then able to, that opened her eyes to the fact that she was lonely. That food wasn't, wasn't her friend. It wasn't giving her companionship. It wasn't talking to her. It wasn't watching movies with her. It wasn't there to go, you know, to the mall or whatever she liked to do. It wasn't there. It wasn't her actual best friend. It was a fake best friend. It was a best friend in chocolate clothing. <laughs> and as soon as she realized that, she was able to break the cycle. She was able to recognize why she was eating it and was able to stop having that candy bar every day. And we together were able to address her loneliness. And we were able to come up with different ways for her to meet people, different ways to get out there, different ways to meet new, real best friends. 
and it was hard and it's emotional and I'm not here to tell you that it's super easy and that it's going to be all gumdrops and chocolate candy. It's not. It's it's an emotional journey that you have to work through. But you know what? She stopped eating candy bars every day. Her health improved. She got off three different medications for chronic illness just by making better nutritional choices, just by not having that candy bar every day, just by realizing that that was not her best friend, that that was not what that food was for. And so I've seen so many people make such miraculous recoveries and miraculous discoveries about themselves that I know that this stuff works. I know that it is real. I know that people fall into these categories and if they follow the directions and they journal and they keep track of what they're eating and how they feel when they're eating it and they really dive into the work of it that they will find so much information about themselves and they'll find so much freedom from food, emotional prison, that it's just, it's amazing. And you guys, if it wasn't, if it wasn't miraculous and if it didn't affect people's lives in such a profound way, I would have never started studying it, right? It would just be something else that I was like, oh yeah, that happens every once in a while, it's whatever. But when you see these things come up over and over and over again, and you notice in yourself that you have emotional connection to food, and you notice in others that they have a very strong emotional connection to food, and you start finding ways to break the cycle, and those ways work, and they're easy, and they're simple, and they can be followed by anyone. I don't care if you work 12 hours a day, three hours a day, out of your home, in your house, if you travel across the country, if you never leave the state, I don't care what your work-life balance looks like. These steps are so easy that anyone can follow them and you can break this cycle and you can find out what's going on with you. Because let me tell you, food is never, ever going to fix your emotions, ever. And even if you think you are the happiest person on the planet and you don't have any emotional scars or anything emotionally making you eat a certain food or being connected to food, it doesn't always have to be negative. It doesn't always have to be bad. Sometimes we're so connected to food because of happy memories. And we hold on to that because whatever gave us those happy memories initially are gone, right? And so we want those happy memories. We want that happiness. We hold on to that happiness but we connect it to food. We're giving food all of the power and it's not food. That's not what made you happy. Whatever was connected to that food at the moment that you started connecting it to happiness, that's what makes you happy. Your grandparents giving you ice cream when you visit. The ice cream's not making you happy. It's your grandparents. You know, going to your best friend's house and always having french fries by the pool not the fries. The french fries aren't making you happy, you guys. Yeah, they taste delicious. Trust me, love them. But that's not what's making you happy. Your best friend and that time that you're spending together, that's what's making you happy. So there's something along the line in your life that connected you to a specific food or to multiple foods. And you have 
inadvertently associated that food with your happiness. And it's not it. It's not the food. It will never be the food. Okay? So hopefully you guys learned a little bit. There's so much data that I can't go over it all in a 30-minute podcast, and I don't like to go much more over that because I know that a lot of you guys listen while you're driving or in between work events or things like that, so I try and keep them kind of short and sweet. Um, but go out there, check out the book, read it, get those inf- get that information. If you don't already work with me as a client, the book will walk you step-by-step step through breaking emotional eating. If you do work with me as a client, you know we've either already talked about it or we're already in the plans of talking about it. <laughs> it's one of the things that I mentioned kind of early on, so if you are working with me as a client, um, you may already actually know a lot of this stuff, and that's okay too. If you haven't worked with me in a client as a client and you're interested in having a health, health coach, reach out to me. I'm super happy to help you. I'm happy to walk you through it. I'm happy to help you with anything that, that you need help with uh, anytime. But if if you're not ready for that, if that's not something, it's a, it's a big step to bring someone into your life and to be vulnerable and to tell them about your health issues and your emotions, and I get that. Get the book. Three bucks. Three bucks, you guys. Three American dollars. So I don't have my conversion chart to tell you if you're in different parts of the world exactly what that is. But And follow the steps. Three, three very, very easy steps. And the fourth one is be kind to yourself. Okay? Not only be patient. Not only be patient and give it time, but be kind to yourself. Don't be so hard on yourself that you... You can't let the process work, okay? Be kind to yourself. You can do this. You can do it anywhere. You can do it traveling. You can do it at night before you go to bed. You can do it when you first wake up. It is three very simple, easy things to follow, and anyone can do them. So I hope that I reached some of you. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, wow, this sounds like something that I really need, reach out to me, grab the book, whichever makes you the most comfortable, and um, hopefully I can help you. I will, at the instructions, no, let me look here, sorry. I will add the, the a link to the book. I'll also add the ISBN number because sometimes it's easier to find the book that way. So I'll add that into the comments area of the podcast so you can find that there. You can also go to Amazon or Barnes & Nobles and you can Google it. You can just type in my name as the author um, or type in the name of the book. I'll also add that in there so you have all of that if you're interested in looking for that. My contact information is always on there, so you can always reach out to me if you're interested in working with me as a client. Please feel free. Shoot me an email. Um, You can go onto my calendarly and schedule time with me as well if that's easier. So, um, yeah, I hope that this has helped you guys in some way. And, and by the way, you can still have your favorite food for now. (laughs) All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I can't wait to bring more information to you next episode. Goodbye. Welcome to the show. And thank you so much for listening. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens with 75 absorbable vitamins and minerals in just one scoop per day. I've increased my energy, immune function, and so much more. AG is a non-negotiable part of my daily routine. For your own risk-free AG plus 20% off and free vitamin D3 K2 supplement, 
go to www.athleticgreens.com backslash functionally autoimmune or look in the notes of this podcast and you can find the link there. Trust me, you want to add Athletic Greens to your day. It makes such a huge difference.